Hello, and welcome to the Friday, April 7th edition of the OSU Sports Extra podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined as always by Dean Rule from Stillwater. Uh, Dean, let's start with uh, Caleb Boone, a Tulsa Memorial product. Um, we got to know him pretty well in his time at Tulsa Memorial, is in the transfer portal. I guess nothing should surprise us in the transfer portal age, but uh, does that move surprise you? I don't think it surprises me as much as it just kind of feels one of them was going to have to go, right? With Caleb Boone, Musa Cisse, and Tyreek Smith all eligible to come back, and then they've got three. three they could even be four, depending on what Eric Daly does. He'll sign a, a national letter of intent next week at some point. Um so if he does come to OSU, which is where he's verbally committed, they could be bringing in four forwards in this recruiting class alone, and you've got three that had the possibility to come back. It's you're, you're you're playing a numbers game at that point, and you say, well, somebody's probably gonna have to leave, and who knows, another might. Uh, so it's, so Caleb Boone's the one that decides to go, and there's a lot you can say about the Caleb Boone tenure at OSU. It's been I guess you'd say it's been up and down, Patrick, right? Yeah. He's had moments where he's been that player everybody thought he was going to be, and he's looked dominant, and he's been great. Uh, and then he's had some moments where he's struggled, and he's he's not looked that part. What's interesting about it, I think, is well, there's, a, there's a couple things you can point to in that OSU is going to be losing their most talented offensive forward, Patrick, right? Yep. Musa Cisse and Tyreek Smith are more defensive guys, and we'll see what they get with this incoming group, especially somebody like Brandon Garrison, who number one rated prospect in the state. He's coming to OSU. Um, he's he's more of a center in high school. What they want to do with him in, in college, we'll, we'll see. That's still to be determined. But, you know, he's got a, an offensive presence, I think. Um, when we look at his, his game in high school, how that translates again to college is, is always up for debate. But you lose you lose that offensive forward down low that's tough that's that's hard and and who knows patrick maybe again college basketball is going to be so interesting how portal goes this year and on top of that how osu decides to go manage it because obviously mike boyton's shown he can be a great recruiter getting talent to stillwater has not been his problem making that talent all work on the floor has um so we'll see as more guys decide, hey, I'm staying or, hey, I'm going, that might open up a little bit of room. You can even bring in a, a, a transfer forward if you want. That's the hypothetical game we can play with last 20 minutes here, Patrick. But regardless, I wouldn't say the move is surprising because you kind of have to figure somebody's got to go. Yeah, but why him, though? If somebody's got to go, why him? I mean – the, the the easy answer is because he seems like he wanted to, but I mean I mean he was a starter, he was an offensive forward, he showed flashes as you said. Um, do you think is this maybe disagreements with Mike Boynton, or do you think he just wanted a fresh start? Maybe both. What what's the reasoning behind the move? You think? I think first we can't ignore down the final stretch of the season how that was. Um, obviously there were some, some times the TV cameras or people kind of caught some disagreements, I guess would, would be the easiest way to, to paint it. 
um, with Caleb Boone and, and, you know, there were a couple of times he, he seemed a little removed in, in team huddles and, and whatnot, what, whatever you want to chalk that up to, I'm not going to speculate on it, but regardless, it happened. People saw it. Um, I think, so I, I also think maybe a, a fresh start is needed on both sides. Cause when we look at this, Patrick Avery Anderson's also in the transfer portal. So you have Avery Anderson and Caleb Boone, both transferring out both guys who spent four years at OSU and did all these things. And they're both good players, but at the same time, then being at OSU hasn't worked, right? They haven't made the NCAA tournament on a consistent basis. So, so the question almost is, why would you keep coming back if, if this is the outcome you're getting every time? Now that you have this transfer portal and you can leave and you can go find a fresh start, that's a that's a possibility for, for all these guys now, especially I think when we look at Caleb Boone, obviously he really enjoyed playing with his brother. He didn't get to do that this year. And now that both of them are in the portal, I think you could maybe see, a, see them reunite down the road next season if they want to prioritize that. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Do you think he'll hook back up with his with his brother, who is, as you said, in the portal after one year at Pacific? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely something that could happen. It's not out of the you know it's not something crazy. They played basket from you know the pee wee level all the way up to high school to college. This is this is the first year they haven't played basketball together, and they both had had pretty good seasons apart. But I think that could be something that they prioritize and they want to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if they find a school that's willing to take them both on and, and go play there for a year. Yeah. So Mike Gundy is always uh, interesting to listen to when he's talking about big picture college football issues, problems, whatever. Uh, he, he's a fascinating listen, no doubt about it. He has some interesting ideas on sort of how to combat, for lack of a better word, the transfer portal, maybe combat's not the best word there, but you know what I mean, kind of kind of keep it in check a little bit. Why don't you kind of talk about that and kind of give us some of the high points of what Gundy was saying, and, and do you think that would be a good idea? So, yeah, from the – when we talk about the transfer portal in college football, the, the first thing coaches are always going to want to talk about is it makes it impossible to manage your roster and who's on your roster and what you have coming back. This is this is the coach's argument for the transfer portal needs to be slowed down. Um, and so there have been some initiatives to, to, to help with that. That's why they now have transfer portal windows where you can only enter your name during, you know, in January or in December. It's a 45-day window. And then they moved it up. So actually next week, April 15th, is when the second window opens up. And that's a 15-day window. Um so regard, regardless, that's always the argument of you want to know what you have coming back and you want to be able to manage your roster and the numbers. And the other thing you run into is eligibility because let's say you lose a four-year a four year guy who has one year of eligibility left going to the portal and then you replace him with a freshman. Well, now you're going to skew your eligibility numbers. It becomes a whole thing, Patrick. Anyway, so Mike Gundy, he brought up – I'll say this. there's It's a super interesting idea he brought up of you have these – high school kids not sign um not sign a contract for money but you have them sign it for term so let's say you have a 
super highly recruited five-star kid who wants to come to OSU or wants to go somewhere else. He's getting recruited by all, all these schools. And he says, okay, I'm going to come here, but I'm going to sign a one-year deal. So I'll be on your roster for one year. And then after that, I can sign another one-year deal or I can hit the transfer portal. That way the coaches can kind of know where this kid's at. The the inverse of that would be, let's say you have a two-star kid who is getting recruited maybe by a bunch of, you know, D2 schools, maybe a couple, Division One, a Power 5 here, and you say, okay, you know, here's my Power 5 option. I'm going to sign a four-year. Uh, so I'm going to play, play at OSU for four years instead of doing the one year. So anyway, he brings up this idea just because – it's an interesting way to look at how do you manage your roster going forward as the transfer portal clearly is showing no signs of slowing down anytime soon, Patrick. Would something like that work? I think it's interesting. It's definitely worth thinking about. Um, Long-term wise, I don't know. The problem I think you'd run into is let's say you've got a kid who is lightly recruited, says, you know what? I got this one power five offer I'm going to take. I'm going to sign this piece of paper that says I'll play there for four years. And then they get a year or two in and they say, I'm never going to see the field. I don't have the talent to play here. I want to go transfer to uh, UCO. You know, let's say the kid's playing at OSU. I want to go play at UCO. Well, now the the discretion to let that kid do that is in the coach's hands. I, I feel like you kind of would run into some issues there. Of I think most of the times, and if we really go down this hypothetical rabbit hole, most of the times the coach would say, okay, fine, I'll sign off. I'll, I'll let you out of this thing and you can go play at UCO. But I'd wonder at what point where you would have these, these issues and the coach would say, I'm not signing off on that. You sign this piece of paper, you're going to play here for four years. I'm not going to let you out of it because we need you for this. I think those issues could come up, but overall, you know, the transfer portal puts all the power in the kids' hands now, and the coaches desperately want to get that power back because they had it for decades. They had the, all that power, and now they, they've lost some of it. And so I think this would – it's it's interesting to think about. I think it's somewhere – it's in a happy medium of it lets the coaches kind of be able to plan a little bit down the road, but also allows the kid to do what's in their best interest. And I don't know if it would, if it would work, I'm sure there would be all kinds of issues to come from it that that I'm not even thinking about, but regardless, Patrick, I think we have to say it's an interesting thing to think about. And I think it could work if, if it got really serious, I think it could work. Yeah, the thing that makes me wonder is you're you're gonna okay, and I know Gunny was just kind of maybe thinking you know out loud, and I mean he if you ask him this, he may have an answer to this point as well. But just reading your story and, and what Gunny had to say about it, it seems interesting that you would attach contracts to something as subjective as star ratings. So if I'm a five star kid. I'll, I can sign a one-year deal, but if I'm a three-star, you're going to make me sign a four-year deal? Well, what, you know, star ratings are an incredibly subject, subjective thing, 
And I just wonder if you're talking about contracts, is that really, I, again, I don't have a better suggestion. So you can you can poke holes in any and all theories, but that's just the one thing that kind of jumped out to me. Like, you know, well, what if, you know, what if I'm really a five-star talent, but I'm just under the radar, under-recruited, and I should have more star rating, but I don't. I'm, you know, we, we see it all the time where, you know, a three-star kid ends up being, you know, a, a star player, a, 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 an elite player. Um, I don't know. What, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, so I think you know, th- this might have been a flaw in how I wrote it. I, I don't think he's saying if you're a five-star, you can only get a one-year deal. And if you're a three-star, you have to sign a four-year. I think it's down to the – it would be – the way he explained it, I think the discretion would be on a prospect-by-prospect basis. If if this kid thinks, you know, hey, I'm a five-star, but, oh, I love OSU, let me sign a three-year. They have that ability just okay. like if I, so I, that might have been a flaw in, in the way I wrote that, and I didn't explain that maybe the best I could have. But, yeah, he's not saying if you're a five-star, you can only sign a one, and if you're a three-star, you can only sign a four. I think it'd be at the discretion, but more often than not, you would probably see a five-star sign a one-year contract, and you'd more than likely see a three-star sign a four-year or a three-year, you know, a more more long-term than short-term, um, just okay. based on how they're getting recruited. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that, make, that makes sense. So, uh, Dean, let's talk about recruiting for a little bit. It was recently reported that OSU has the lowest recruiting budget in the Big 12 and one of the lowest in Power 5. Um, is that right? They're, are they the lowest or one of the lowest in Power 5? So, yeah, so the report says they're the lowest in among public universities at the Power 5 level. Okay, your, your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think there's a couple things to talk about on this. Obviously, you probably don't want to be the lowest in that category, um, especially when you look at kind of some of the other Power 5 schools that exist. You probably don't want to be losing to them. Regardless, uh, if we look at this past recruiting cycle, it was not the best for OSU. I think they're they're ranked in the 40s or 50s, um, which is is low by what they've done in, in recent memory. And so regardless, that that brings up the next point is, well, how important is this budget if you're putting together, let's see, 2021, I think they were ranked 25th in, in their recruiting cycle, in their 2021 recruiting cycle, and then their 2022, yeah, they were in the, the mid-40s. So regardless, you're, if we look at Power 5 football, it's about 80 schools. So at, you're so at worst you're about average, at best you're above average. So how important is this recruiting budget if you're still being able to 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 get this stuff and and pull off these things? Regardless, I I don't think big picture you don't want to be the the lowest of the low in, in terms of how much money you're dedicating to it. But I guess if anything, that's something to say about OSU's recruiting staff because they're doing more with less it seems based on that's the that's the uh conclusion i'm coming to when we look at this and we we put all these numbers and factor them together i guess it's really give give some props to to the osu recruiting staff because they've been able to put together above average to average recruiting classes with the lowest budget you've got a interesting topic for uh, Sunday. Uh, you're going to write about Kendall Daniels. 
local kid, speaking of recruiting, uh, four-star kid, if I remember right, from Beggs. Uh, what's going on with Kendall? Well, so you've got Kendall Daniels. He's he's coming off a pretty solid, you know, he he filled some gaps after, oh, she had a super, super experienced secondary uh, during the 2021 season. And then they lost all those guys to eligibility and people declaring for the draft. And so he he stepped in and he filled in as a redshirt freshman. He was able to fill in some of those spots. And now not only is he kind of solidified his his role, he's also stepping into a new position in the in the secondary. So Brian Nardo's bringing a, a 3-3-5 defense. We've we've talked at length about all that, Patrick, but it's not going to be, you know, two cornerbacks and three safeties. They're going to have two cornerbacks, two safeties, and they're having the, it's a it's a hybrid role called a rover, Patrick. And now this is what Kendall Daniels is going to play. And it's a mix of cornerback, a mix of safety. I even would argue there's a little bit of linebacker that, that you need to not. And so obviously Kendall Daniels is a six five kid. He's probably he might even be six six, um, you know. 200 something pounds. He's a big guy. He's got an interesting frame for a, for a secondary player. And, and I'll, I'll write about this on Sunday. So I, I implore everybody to kind of keep, keep an eye out for this article if you're interested, but you know, there was talk. He might not have even when he was in high school, there might not, there was even talk. He might not have even been playing in the secondary in, in college just because of his size. And even in high school, they thought, well, maybe, you know, as he gets going, we're going to move him to linebacker, move him to, to the end. But he's he's stayed there. He's he's got all these intangibles and these this talent that and he's stuck in the secondary. Now they're putting him in this super unique role that you really need a lot of those intangibles to have, and he has them. And I think it's going to give him an opportunity to really really flourish here, Patrick. Yeah, that, I was going to ask you that next. You you expect him to thrive in that this year, right? He's, I mean, he he, as you said, he he showed some flashes last year for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, especially now that you put him in this role, that he's it's almost if you would say, what's the prototype of what kind of player needs to play at this rover position in this defensive scheme? Based on just kind of talking with people, it's it's Kendall Daniels. You want him close to the ball, it, it, pretty much. Whatever you do, if Kendall Daniels is near the ball, he'll more than likely make a play, Patrick. That, right, right. You know, he, he's got that talent. He showed it at Beggs. I mean, he's a he's a Gatorade player of the year in the state. Um, so, yeah, I, I think regardless, and, and I'll go into in depth with all this stuff in, in the Sunday story. So, as I said, check it out, everybody, if you're interested. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's built for this role. And, and as he's getting older, he's, he's now – as he's a redshirt sophomore, but it'll be season number three for him uh, within the program. I, I think he's, I think this could be, if we're talking about guys who who really are going to take the next step this year, I think Kendall Daniels is the one I'd say he's number one. He's probably the guy I'd say is most likely to take the next step this year. Well, speaking of changing positions, uh, Colin Clay is moving to nose guard. Uh, good move for Colin? Yeah, so it's it's super interesting that it, it almost gets forgotten when when we talk about this new defense. Instead of having four guys up front, they're now going to three, and so that's going to be two defensive ends and one nose guard. So all the defensive tackles are kind of getting mushed together into this nose guard spot, which is 
probably good for OSU because it creates all this depth for them. It just now instead of having to fill two spots, they only have to fill one. And obviously there's still going to be some four down uh, played, but it's primarily now three def- three down linemen um, for OSU. And so Colin Clay, he, he was a defensive tackle, and now he's trying to learn nose guard and where to line up. I think it's a good move for him. Um, you know, that that defensive tackle spot went through a lot of injuries and, and they had to kind of go deep down into the depth last year. Uh, Colin Clay was one of those guys that got some extra playing time because of it. And, and he looked good out there. And, you know, there were, there were some, there were still some growing pains with him last year, but I, I think he, he could slot in pretty nice and they've got some good depth there. Um, yeah. It'd be, int- I'll, it'll be something that's worth watching next year, how, how that all works because you know, now instead of having to fill two spots, you only have to fill one, and they've got five or six guys who have earned playing time throughout the years who now are just fighting for this one spot. So it'll be interesting. It'll be they've they've got a lot of of interesting characters there. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anything else on your mind, Dean, or should we uh, leave it there for this week? I think we'll leave it there, Patrick. All right. Well, we appreciate you checking us out. You can download us for free on Google, Apple, and Spotify. Uh, Those are the main ones. We're also available on some other platforms, so you can kind of find us if you're looking. Uh, Dean, appreciate the knowledge as always, and we'll catch up next week. Of course.